Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we'd like to get a planting and crop progress report from you. If you'd like to call in, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Brian Hefty, or Darren Hefty. All right, so the, the reason why we're, we're so interested in this is because we're seeing a lot of variants, and we'll get the government crop report here in the United States coming out just real shortly, but this has been an incredibly challenging year on a lot of farms because of cold temperatures and rainfall. So even like on our farm, we actually finally did get some rain again, but unfortunately a lot of the other areas that were north of us that didn't need that rain like we did, well, they got as much or more than we did. So it's it's just, it's been frustrating for a lot of people trying to get the crop in because you see the crop prices and you go, wow, if I can just get my crop planted fairly timely, I'm going to have a good, or I should at least have a good year. Well, anyway, we're, we're curious how things are going, how things are looking on your farm. So again, if you'd like to give us a call, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. I'll just tell you, on our farm, we finished up our, our planting here quite a while ago. We, we did all our beans and all our alfalfa in April. And for our corn, we did most of that in April, but we do a lot of silage corn now for local dairy. So we finished up probably the last, I don't know, third of our corn in the first half of May, let's call it. So anyway, we've been done planting, fortunately, on our farm for a while. Had to replant, I'm going to say it was about 10 acres of soybeans last week because the weekend before got a little frost in some low areas. But, you know, to have to replant 10 acres, not the end of the world. Anyway, our our biggest corn right now is probably V4. Um, I'm not sure on our biggest soybeans how big they are. I haven't been out to look at our beans here just lately, but uh, I'm I'm encouraged that things started to look better here over the weekend. We finally got some 85 degree temps for about four days in a row and that really changed how things looked on our farm. Things were looking a little uh, little yellow prior to that even though we have plenty of fertilizer out there. Got to have some sunlight too to, to make that crop get through its entire photosynthesis process. Well anyway let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, get this question from Marty in South Dakota. He said, we seeded alfalfa this spring. It doesn't have as good a stand as we would like. Do you recommend reseeding the bare spots now, or do we have to wait until fall? Okay, so here's one of the challenges is the allelopathy that alfalfa has. So if let's say you have some alfalfa out there and you go, oh, I'm just going to go interseed. It might work out because it's a new seeding, but the reason why it might not would be that uh, what allelopathy is, is basically once the alfalfa plants start growing, they kick out a chemical into the soil to prevent other alfalfa plants from getting started. So a lot of times what guys end up having to do is they'll go till tear everything up in that area and then replant that entire area. But even then, some of that allelopathic chemical can be in the soil, so it's it's difficult. So if it's me, I would probably try to do this immediately. 
Uh, we have a little bit of this, by the way, on our farm. We're a spot that just sat water here over the weekend. Uh, we had just done some dirt work there, didn't do it quite right. And that's a tiny little spot. But anyway, my point is this. If you wait until fall, there will be more of that allelopathic chemical that the alfalfa puts out into the ground by fall than there would be now. So if it's me, I'm going to try some seeding, whether I have to tear it up or not, but I'm going to try some more seeding immediately. All right. Good luck with that, Marty. Thanks for the question. Get this one from Travis. Wait, wait a second, oh. Darren. Phone lines. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, we've got Gary on with us right now. Let's take that question first. Oh, it's a tiling question. Oh, no, Gary, not tiling. Brian's never going to get this done in less than an hour. Right. We only have 54 minutes left in the show, Gary. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said you'd only want one caller this show. <laughs> You're exactly right. <laughs> uh, seeding report to start with. Yeah. That we're from Canada. We're on the prairies here. Yep. Um, latest record late start for, for me on this farm. And I've been getting to do it for quite a few years now. So that's interesting. Yep. Cold and wet. Yeah. So, and that was so what? after a significant drought last year, so we went from one extreme to the other, just like that. A lot of people in North Dakota are saying the exact same thing. So, what percent of your crop is planted now? Uh, well, I was mostly asleep the other night when I quit, but I think it said fourteen hundred acres done out of forty-eight hundred. Okay. So you got a little ways We've to go got a yet. Neighbor here that's got fifty-five hundred acres, and they've seeded one quarter, like oh, wow. one quarter section. Wow. <laughs> yep. So, well, at least you got some of the acres in. Uh, so, yep. so it looks very promising going forward. So we're good. right up against it, right at the end, but we're <laughs> going to go hard, and I think we're going to get it. Good. Good deal. So, what's your tiling question, Gary? Uh. First, an observation, wondering if you've seen this, uh, and this is rare for us, but the ground was still froze in May here, yep. uh, so some tile was still froze, but we yep. got six inches of rain in two weeks. Yep. So what I saw was a lot of areas before we tiled it that would have been wet, uh, they all drained quite nicely, but then they all piled up against frost in the tile, and Strange areas of the field are wet. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Sometimes and that's all yep. resolving itself now. As right. The goes out, but right. It's exactly. For a few days. Uh huh. Yep. We've seen that. The the main question I had was uh, along tree lines. Our tiling man said he didn't want to put any tile lines too close because the tree roots would bother them. It, yeah, is that is that right? Okay, I'll tell you what, Gary. Uh, we got to take a quick commercial break. I'm glad you asked that question because we run into that issue on our own farm as well. So we'll talk about how we've solved that problem coming up right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. 
maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Here at Farm Shop MFG, we keep hearing from folks who've tried our germinators. Deverne in Missouri says, After seeing our harvest results, I'm an enthusiastic supporter of the Farm Shop MFG germinator closing wheel. See what others are saying at farmshopmfg.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today just getting a planting and crop progress update from any of our listeners. So if you'd like to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that number is 844-442-4743. So right before the break, we were talking with Gary from up in Saskatchewan and he had had asked this question and he said all right near my tile lines my tile installer said i don't want to put lines too close to the trees so gary we've run into this issue ourselves on our farm and you have in my opinion uh three different choices one you just go ahead and put the tile line anyway and you say all right well worst case scenario every let's call it two three four years i'm just going to go right along where the tile line is, so you you have where it is based on GPS. You go, let's say, five feet inside of that. So in other words, from the tile line, and then you got the trees. So in between there, you run your tile plow just deeper than what the tile line would be. And you're not putting any tile in. You're just going with a shank to cut the roots off to kill them. So then that will prevent those roots from getting into the tile line. That's one option you've got. Option two, you could run a solid tile if the po- whole point is just to move water past that that shelter belt. I don't know what you're trying to accomplish here. And then I guess the third thing is you just say, no, forget it. We'll do nothing there and hope for the best. I, I, I And as I know you've listened to the show for quite a number of years, Gary, um, you know that I am a type of person. I don't just hope for the best. I usually like human interaction, human involvement, and I'm going to try to fix the problem even if I do it wrong. I'm still going to try to fix the problem. So option three is not really an option for me. And if I said, hey, I've got to drain that area, which we have had to do on our farm, we just say, you know what, what the heck, it's super easy. It's going to literally take us like 15 minutes to go do this once every three or four years. I'm just going to run my tile plow 
four, call it four feet deep, and I'm just going to cut all those roots of those trees off when they start getting near to my tile line, and we call her good. It's just you got to put that on your calendar and make sure you remember to do it. That sounds like a good option. Unlike you, option three isn't an option. <laughs> uh, yep. And being that we're in Saskatchewan, uh, you would be wouldn't be surprised at the size of snowbanks piled up in front of those trees and the yep. resulting moisture that leaks out of them forever. Exactly. Uh, I- my tiling man heard. Don't know if you've heard this. Have you ever heard of putting a copper line? beside your tile. Sure. You mean just as an identifier so you know where it is? No. uh, He says that that repels the tree roots. (laughs) Well, is that possible? Sure, it's possible. But here again, would I trust that 100%? No way. Nope, I would not. Okay. One other thing I saw on the tiling, uh, one field in particular, we always had a problem with the north half of it with little potholes, south half was always ready sooner. So when yep. the tiling guy came, I said, tile up that north half. we got to yep. fix that up. <clears throat> well, you know what? North half is dry and ready to go. South half is holding this up now. Yep, yep. That's exactly what we ran into on our farm. And this is why it was nice for us having our own tile plow because then we just go back in and do the other one. And granted, you can do it the way you're doing it too. It's just now you got to call the guy back out there and have him come do the other part. But yeah, we, we learned from when we started doing our own tiling back in 2007, we never went far enough with the tile. We'd, we'd, we'd fix these areas that they were the problem. All of a sudden, then they were no longer a problem. It was great. Now was the other areas. It's like, dang, why didn't we just extend it a little bit further? And our, our dad, Dad told us that would happen exactly, but you know how kids are. We had to learn for ourselves, and that's fine. But but, but anyway, when we were writing the check, it's like, well, there, I don't need to spend any money on this. No, I'm good here. And sure enough, then a few years later, we ended up going back on, extending tile lines, adding a few more, whatever. So, nope, we've been through all that just like you have. And I will say, too, on that frozen ground deal, we have found that the frost has come out of the ground faster in tiled land than untiled land. And in fact, in the spring, if you if you had an aerial picture or drone, uh, you can see a lot of times, you can find where the tile lines are. A lot of guys call us and ask us, hey, how do you find tile lines? You typically do it when the frost is coming out in the spring. You can identify exactly where that tile line is usually. So that, that's been our experience. Okay, interesting. Yep. Uh, you do realize one of these days we're going to know everything, and then what are we going to talk about? <laughs> well, then Mother Nature is going to come up with a whole bunch of new stuff. So I could spend this show talking about some new insects, new diseases, new weeds. Uh, so uh, we got we got plenty more, Gary. Mother Nature has lots to throw at us. So, uh, yeah, we can solve the problems that are here today. The future will give us a lot more to do. <laughs> You're right. Thanks for your time. Have a great rest of your day. You bet. Thanks for the call, Gary. Appreciate it. Let's head over to North Central Illinois. Got Lance Tarchioni on with us right now. He's a technical agronomist with the Calabasco. Lance, how are you doing today? Uh, doing great. Just uh, got rained out planting a plot, and uh, so I'm going to hang out with you guys while we're waiting to see if we can go again. <laughs> I tell you what, this plot planting business in 2022 is no fun. I, I think somebody else could take that job, right? Yeah, it, uh, the, some some days the farming part hasn't been a whole lot of fun for guys here either. It's just been a real challenge to uh, get this crop in the ground, and we're we're basically done. There's a few acres left to go, and in, in a few spots, and 
some replanting yet to be done and and uh, these this is a late plot that uh, we just hadn't gotten around to getting it done yet and had help lined up for the day and started the morning with a shower and uh, dried off enough we could go and we were three-fourths done and got another shower so Yep. Yeah. That's just the way it goes some days. And that's, that's the tough thing on these things. You got to try and get them in because otherwise you get them in super late. And then guys like my brother say, ah, I'm not looking at that plot that got planted right. too late and it wasn't representative. But when you look around the area, I don't think you're that far behind a lot of the guys, correct? No, I, I was, uh, was up towards Chicago, uh, over the weekend and drove through some areas that, uh, there was, you know, significant acres had not been planted yet. So there's some, some pockets in the, northern part of the state that, uh, that were a little on the wet side, more towards the eastern side of the state. And uh, the southeastern part of the state was, was a little wetter. And, and, you know, really there were a lot of areas of the state that we all got a late start. Um, we, we've had a, a couple windows here in, in May that were really good. I, I think there was probably a four or five-day period there where we set a record for the most number of acres ever planted in a five-day period in the state of illinois because uh, really nobody was done everybody was dry and everybody was you know just running hard as they could and um you know so we we caught we got a late start uh was slow going we had a couple good good runs and kind of got caught up so we're you know we're not that far behind normal uh the crop development is a little bit delayed because of the planting plus it's been kind of cool so um you know as you drive around the state it, it doesn't look as impressive as we sometimes do on almost the first of June, but uh, a lot of potential, um, you know, a lot of this crop, uh, you know, stands are good, uh, went in pretty decent. Um, so I'm, I'm still enthused about the prospects for the crop, but, uh, it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't look quite as big or quite as green or quite as beautiful as, as it sometimes does when you're driving across Illinois on June 1st. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of potential here. Okay. In, uh, one minute or less, any tra- any changes in the recommendations you'd make for guys that are still planting? Anything you should do with a late planted situation to have success? <clears throat> yeah, we, we we generally encourage guys to, to, to not radically change their plan. I, I did talk with a gentleman that's uh, returning some 116-day corn, uh, switching to some 109-day corn. You know, I, I'm not afraid to plant 116-day 116 corn first of June and in, in central Illinois. And I encourage people to stay with the full season hybrid that they can stand. But at, uh, at some point, you know, harvest moisture does become a concern and, and guys will, will tend to early up. I think people tend to switch to earlier maturing hybrids sooner than they need to. And uh, I encourage people to, to stay with those full season hybrids as long as they can. Uh, same thing on soybeans, you know, the later it gets, uh, you know, we don't want to plant early beans late. So, uh, hopefully you've got all your early beans planted already and you've got your full season ones left to go if you're not done with soybeans. Yeah, that maturity and, uh, that maturity decision is a, is a big deal, and I hear a lot of guys talking about switching around like you had mentioned, and, and I agree. I don't think you very radically from what your initial plan was if you want to be successful. Talking to Lance Tarchioni with DeKal Basgro in North Central Illinois. Thanks, Lance. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. 
Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. Its easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Weather or not, relentless. That's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're getting a planting and crop progress update. We would love to hear how things are going in your area, how things are going on your farm, and our phone lines are open at 844 44 ag phd let's head down to kansas got marty on with us right now and marty uh, i got a printout sitting here when i walked in the studio today uh that, that janelle gave brian to me and she said hey marty's gonna call today and let's talk he wants to talk about this product uh, uh sulfur nitrogen combo so we're all set to go on that too marty but first of all how's uh, planting and what's the crop look like in your area now, right now we're on plan f we started on plan A, so now we're on plan F. Um, we had 4,100 acres of soybeans scheduled to go in, and we got about 1,900 in, which is all the bottom lands in. Um, and then we've, then we've been rained out for the last 10 days. Uh, now I'm on ground that I planned on just running right ahead of the planter with, you know, little pig weeds and being able to take care of it. Now I'm spraying Sharpen and Paraquat with it to uh, – get it clean so it'll stay clean because we got another 
another system moving through. So, Marty, uh, when may, we may be kicked out for another week. Yep, Marty, when you were talking about your different plans there, I couldn't tell if you were saying plan F is in Frank or plan S is in Sam. Uh, I will just tell you, we've gone to plan like uh, triple Z some years because uh, nothing works. Hey, we I, were lucky this year, though. Things went in pretty good because we were so dry to I start. thought it sounded good, though, when Marty said the bottom land is in. And is that normally where the problem is, Marty? Well, it's the last to dry out. We're all no-till. And it seems like that, that's the good, that's a heavier ground, you know, and it seems like it's, it's slower to dry out. The upland will all, uh, will, will all plant pretty, dry out, dry out quite a bit faster. Marty. Uh, it drains better for us. Yeah. Marty, you're talking about drainage. Can I just ask you real quick, Marty, is that low, heavy ground, is that tiled or is it not tiled? Hopefully before I die or my <laughs> kid dies, it'll be tiled. Okay. <laughs> At this point, no, it's. It's drainage ditches, and our problem is with the drainage ditches. They just they work great till we get a flood, sure. And then it just it just takes everything right down the river. Yep. So, you know how that works. Yep. Yep. We've got a couple pieces that we tile, and we lift the water up and pump it out into the river or into the creek. So that way, no matter if it's low or high, we still get rid of our issue and keep that water moving. But anyway, uh, you you had questions about this sulfur this nitrogen sulfur with just a splash of boron product what 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 would you like to know about it well in the past we've been everything we have is zone sampled and we were running we were trying to run 50 pounds of amf uh yep. blended um at some point in our fertility program well yep. that's not affordable for us right now and i was worried about running a quart of that am i going to gain anything running a quart of that on my second pass over soybeans uh, we're on 10-inch rows, and I would say we'd be hopefully to the fourth trifoliate maybe. Um, so we're going we're to have a little bit of canopy, but there's also going to be quite a bit of bare ground. Am I going to gain anything by running a quart of that with my herbicide? Roughly, what's it cost? Uh, that quart's probably going to be 4 bucks, so it's not bad. Yeah, no, it's no big deal. Okay, so a couple of things. You mentioned 50 pounds of ammonium sulfate. And then you also mentioned one quart of this product, which is 10% nitrogen, 10% sulfur, and 0.04% boron. So, I mean, keep in mind here as I talk about this, we're talking two completely different things. You've got way yeah. more nutrients in total with that ammonium sulfate. So that's always going to be my preference if you actually need the nutrients. Now, you asked about soybeans, and if we're talking four trifoliates is all, I would just say at that point, that crop doesn't need a lot for nutrients. So my guess is your your crop will probably need that a lot more at let's call it R1 or R2 than it would if you were to do it in the vegetative stages of soybeans. So with corn, we like usually being a little on the early side. With soybeans, I'd almost rather be a little bit on the late side because soybeans need su such a high percent of their nutrients as we go later in the season. But yeah, I mean, for $4, let's put it this way. If you gained a half a bushel, it'd never show up on your yield monitor. You'd probably never know the difference, yet you doubled your money. So yeah. would I, in a year like this, when I go, ooh, I don't think I quite got enough fertilizer on, would I try something like that? Of course I would. Would we be better running it later? So we would be yep. probably R three or R four even when we when we run a worm spray by air. Uh, we got to spray for pod worms, or is that going to be too late? 
uh, it would probably still give you some benefit even at that point because that's when you're getting pod fill and the plant needs tremendous amounts of nutrients then. So I don't have a real big problem with that. Would I rather do it at R2 or R3? Probably. But would it still pay at R4? Probably. But keep in mind, again, we're just talking a very, very low dose here so uh, of nutrients. So if you wanted to try some at the vegetative stages, sure, I'd be fine trying. I'm just saying you'll most likely have a better response in the reproductive stages. Gotcha. Okay. All right, guys. I appreciate all you do. You bet. Thanks, Marty. Really appreciate Thanks. it. Uh, let's let's head out to western Kansas here. We've got John on with us right now. Are you catching that rain out west too, John? Oh, we've caught a little bit. It's uh, the last system that went through. We uh, stayed dry here, but uh, oh, starting around first of April and here into May, we're probably five six inches where we're at. Okay. So we're we're doing pretty good actually. Yeah, that's awesome. So so is the crop all in the ground now at this point or you got more to do? Oh, we are primarily wheat and sorghum, so we're just getting rolling on putting the sorghum in the ground. Gotcha. We were gonna start at the beginning of last week, but we had a nice slow inch and a half over two days, so kinda of pushed us back, but we're we're rolling on that today. But the corn is a little bit of corn we got's up and grown i think it's grown about six inches in the last four or five days and the beans are up and looking good too that's awesome you know what we would take that inch and a half just nice and slow over a couple days almost any time that's a good thing as you come west oh yeah i it's we were in pretty decent shape but with that uh that's gonna push our pastures along good should help us make sure that the wheat fills and we got good test weights on our wheat. We're uh, we're getting close there. Everything's filling. We're filling three rows across in most of the heads, and, or three berries across each row, and it's doing pretty good. Especially our temperatures. We've had a couple of days in the 90s here and there, but for the most part, we're sitting 70s, 80s. So we're actually pretty nice right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, talk to me about your pasture, because I know a lot of the guys in the western half of the country, the, the pasture, it got overgrazed because there just wasn't any regrowth coming. Are you in the same boat? Because I, I talked to a lot of guys fighting weed control in, in those pastures now. We're actually not. We're uh, we're in pretty decent shape here. The last couple of years, we've been real wet, um, especially midsummer when Things have been growing hard with the heat and cattle out there grazing. And we were a little worried this spring because it was definitely dry this winter and uh, into the early spring. We were thinking we were going to maybe stock a little lighter because we will run cows and stalkers so that if we have to pull something back, we can just not kick stalkers out and spread our cows out over more acres. But uh, since it started raining, everything's cleaned up good and growing good now we're not going to be we're not going to be in too bad a shape here i don't think you have to go a whole lot further west though and it's a little bit different story though they have caught some rain here this spring so yeah it's you just don't know when when um 
conditions are so variable. Like even here, you mentioned you didn't catch anything out of this last storm. I was just looking uh, at, at some guys I know down in northeast Nebraska. They got nothing, and they're guys that not too far away in South Dakota that had five or six inches out of this last thing. So, yeah, I always got to ask a little bit. That's kind of why we like doing these planting and crop progress updates too. Well, John, good luck to you guys as you get the sorghum in the ground. Hopefully that gets off to as good a start as the other crops. Yeah, I think it probably will. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks. We're getting a planting and crop progress update on today's Ag PhD radio program. We'd love to hear from you. We heard from a couple guys now in Kansas, so uh, they're they're dropping the gauntlet here for everybody else. Uh, let's hear how you guys are doing in your part of the country. Kind of like getting that crop report throughout the summer just to see where things are at. It kind of helps with some of those marketing things we're thinking about as well. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Nitrogen is a mysterious nutrient. We are never sure if we have enough, too much, or even if the nitrogen we applied is still there when the plant needs it. With 360Y Job, you can provide just the right amount of nitrogen when and where you need it. A mid-season application lets you resupply lost nitrogen or lower your rates to get a maximum efficiency while maintaining yield potential. Put more efficiency and flexibility in your nitrogen program with 360Y Job. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. 
Case IH, built by farmers. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today, getting a planting and crop progress update. We should really add to that title and say pasture update, too. We were just talking with John out in western Kansas about pasture, and wouldn't you know it, next man up is Miles <laughs> down in Arkansas. All right, Miles, uh, how, how's the pasture and the grazing land down there? Uh, it's looking fairly good now. Uh, we're needing a little bit of rain, but... Uh uh, we're gotten the rain so far, so it's uh, it's actually looking fairly decent. Just all the input costs are killing us right now. Yeah, they sure are. They're, they are not cheap at all. We've had a lot of storms come through the north up here, Miles. How about down your way? What's the weather been like? Uh, yes, sir. We had a few uh, bigger storms move in. Actually, I think it was last week we had a uh, uh, big cold front come through and do uh, quite a bit of damage to some of the outbuildings, but uh, luckily nothing major up here our corn is uh, just a few inches tall miles what what do you look at as you head down the road how big's the corn there well uh i wouldn't know how big the corn is over here we're uh none of it around here i guess we'd probably have to go through 400 miles for that but uh over here the uh the grass and everything is is coming along fairly well timely rains and uh actually it looks to be a so far, a decent uh, year for cattle and whatnot. Excellent, excellent. So, what are the challenges now? What, well, I guess, what do you what do you look for this time of year? Is it just you're starting to get some extreme heat, or or what would be the next thing? Well, most of the time, it, yes, it would be the heat and uh, trying to procure all the hay and whatnot that you need for the winter, and uh, you know, rotating your cattle through your fields to try to mitigate the cost of uh, spraying and whatnot but but this year is uh it's it's totally opposite because now all focus is going i'm sure a lot of your other guests is the cost of everything you know just um right now we're having to play the game of what do we do what can we afford what makes the best sense and and the further we're going in the summer everything's having to get a lot tighter and uh it's, it's i'll be honest it's a scary situation right now yeah, it sure is. Sure is. No doubt about that. And and supply issues too. Are there are there any things that you're running into trouble with on from a supply standpoint of just uh, just getting the things that you need? Oh, uh, yes, sir. Affirmative. Pretty much anything. Um, you know, your main stuff, your medicine for the cattle, or net wrap for your balers, or uh, just like with you guys, your parts for any equipment. But it goes to little things like uh, needles. You know, when you get vaccinations. <coughs> excuse me. Or it's just it's a trickle down effect and it's um you know it's it's one of them deals that my dad before he died told me son you're gonna have times like these and man i didn't think he was this right but oof, it's uh it's a tough one yeah it sure is well uh, hopefully things start getting better here it sounds like there there are some signs that things are going to get a little bit better anyway but I, I don't think we're quite at the end of this thing yet but good to talk to you miles glad things are going good down there and and hope you have a, a good rest of the summer Thank you, sir. Enjoy the uh, show, gentlemen. Y'all be careful. You bet. You as well. Uh, Brian had a drain tile question come in earlier and had a comment here from Travis. And he said, you guys talk about drain tile. I live in California. We would never pass on the water. 
Well, I realize how dry you guys are, Travis, and it sounds like, oh, man, this this is terrible. We're giving away water coming out the end of the field. But unless your field is fully saturated, you aren't going to give any water up out of that tile line. So well, as long as it's rainwater, as long as it's rainwater coming from the top. When you say fully saturated, here's what we mean. If we put the tie line in at three feet, which is what we typically do on our farm, okay, it's so it's down three feet in the ground. The only time water runs out of that line is when the water table rises above three feet. So as long as the water table is below three feet, then we have good potential for root growth. We're able to allow our plants to explore a lot of the soil all the way down to three feet. Oh, and by the way, when I say three feet, keep in mind, let's say that my tie lines are 60 feet apart. We're at three feet for the tie lines. So that means the water table will be at three feet at the tie lines. In between the tie lines, it'll be just a little higher. So a lot of times I'll figure it'll be two and a half feet in between the tie lines. And so now that's pretty shallow. And if if the water table goes up any higher than that, now your roots end up getting cut off. And so one of the big things we talk about, like where we farm, we only get 22 to 24 inches of total annual precipitation. That includes the snow. And if you think about, we can raise 250 plus bushel corn. That's not much water for the amount of crop we're able to pull out of that. My point here is we can't do that unless and raise these good crops unless we get lots of root growth. We have to have tremendous root growth. And our biggest fear every spring is that the water table will be too high. The roots will get cut off right away. Because, I mean, literally within two weeks after planting, I can have roots that are a foot deep. Well, if my water table's at six inches already, the roots are cut off, they're going to start running sideways, or they're going to die. And now we've got a stunted plant, we have a poorly rooted plant, and then when it does dry out even just a few weeks after that, and the entire rest of the summer, I do not have deep roots. I can't get down to suck moisture out of the deeper soil where there is moisture a lot of times, and I get a major problem. So yeah, I mean, every area is a little bit different. We're not suggesting that, oh, every farmer everywhere has to have a tile every 20 feet or anything like that. It's just, it's a tool. So just like how irrigation can be a tool, drainage or tiling, can be a tool. And in our geography, it's a tremendously valuable tool because in most years, the water table gets too high for at least a little while in the spring or early summer, and that causes major, major problems. Now, let me let me go one step further with this too, because there will be some people out there who will say, oh, you don't need tie on, let's farm things naturally and everything else. And I'm going, well, wait a second here. If I want to have good soil health, I need air in that soil. If I don't have air, I won't have good root growth. I won't have good organic matter build. I won't have good microbial life. And I will have a mostly dead soil. So by having this good drainage, now I can no-till. Now I can build soil organic matter. Now I can farm that field and, and allow the natural processes to do what they are designed to do. So it's pretty amazing. All right, let's head back to the phone lines here. Head over to Georgia. We got Mark on with us right now. Mark, how are you doing? Good afternoon. So our crops over in Georgia, Mark. I, I would assume uh, hot and dry there, but but am I wrong? Well, you got the hot part right, and and we're only three days away from a drought at any time. 
we we had a lot of rain last week that that stopped us planting. Uh, we got up to eight inches in some spots, but uh, that means we're four days away from watering. And that's today <laughs> we're cracking them. We're we're cracking them back up today. Um, uh, yeah, you don't want to get behind. You don't want to get behind, right? No, no, no. We we don't want to get behind. We're only uh, a day from being behind, I think. But uh, we're ninety degrees. Uh, corn. We already have some corn roasting air stage. Uh, some of it just getting into pollination. So we'd rather have a little cooler weather. But it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. How about the other crops? How about peanuts, cotton, some of these other things we don't get to talk about enough on the show. Okay, well, we're planting peanuts. Uh, we were going to get through last week, but the rain stopped us, so we'll finish up with peanuts this week, hopefully finish up with cotton. Uh, cotton's got a little uh, a longer window than peanuts do, but we, we still would rather have them in by the 1st of June. But uh, hey, some of these varieties of cotton, you're okay until the 15th of June, something like that. Sure, sure. And uh, cotton, most, cotton likes it hot. How about peanuts? Do peanuts like it this hot? Well, not really. Uh, uh, they're a, a tropical type plant, so they they do okay. But we're just starting to bloom, and and that's when the pins go in the ground. So right. we'd rather have cooler temperatures. We got to keep them wet, uh, keep that uh, pegging zone moist, uh, so we can set the crop. Yeah, it's always interesting. Every crop likes it a little bit different. Like you mentioned with the corn and the peanuts, kind of a critical time right now. The moisture, I'm sure, is is welcome to cool yeah. down that soil temp at least a little bit anyway. Hey, Mark, we got to run. Really appreciate the update, though, of how things are, are going down in Georgia. Hopefully you guys get a, get a, a little bit more mild weather here uh, as these crops are in really um, sensitive stages. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. 
Learn more and register at agphd.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio today. We've been getting a planting and crop progress update, and there's still time for you to get your call in. If you want to talk about how things are going in your area, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, boy, we got a tiling thing going here, Brian. We got this one in from Mitch now. He said, all right, guys, uh, tiling's pretty much unheard of here in Australia. I'm planning to build my own tile plow, though, in this off-season, and I'm going to install some pattern tile just on a little 13-hectare field after the wheat. We are 20 to 25 CEC clay soils. My question is, do I need a sock on the tile, or am I better off just using regular tile? I'm hoping that this project can teach us whether we need to invest more in tile over the next five years. Uh, We plant cotton, corn, and winter cereals. The reasons why you would consider using a sock are fine sand or silt. When I think 20 to 25 CEC, that's real similar to what we have. And we have only used a sock on one field and only part of that one field because we had some fine sand in there. Some river bottom ground and who knows what happened or why we have some of that where we do. But anyway, the other thing... I would say is, especially with the main line, you want to get as much slope as possible. So that way, even if some dirt gets in there, because it will, it can flush out fairly easily. The lateral lines are a lot cheaper and easier to replace. So those don't have to have as much slope, but there too, the more slope, the better, because more slope means less chance that dirt is going to build up in that pipe. Now, if you're if you're going to be building something and you've never done tiling before, I'll just say this. For our farm, we started tiling back in 2007. And the reason why we were finally comfortable to buy our own plow and do the tiling work ourselves is because of the RTK that we then had, which is because a lot of people talk, oh, it's sub-inch for accuracy. But with, let's say, normal GPS at the time, way back then, it was four to eight inches or even, let's let's just say it's four. But that's, they're always talking horizontal there. You got to keep in mind, it doubles vertically. So if it's four inches horizontally, that means you're eight inches off vertically. So that's why we had to have RTK. So that was 
a big step. The other big step was having basically grade control. So I didn't, we didn't have to use lasers or anything else. Everything was driven off GPS and the, the plow was controlled automatically. So that's the most important feature is having the grade run automatically. So it's a, a good grade, a constant grade, and you know for sure it's done right. Because that was always my biggest fear is I'm like, I got to know where this plow is going. So I, I don't I don't want waves in my tile line or anything like that. So anyway, I just give you number one encouragement because tile has literally transformed our farm. It's been amazing. And two, I would tell you, start on what's the easiest thing to drain. That's what we did on our farm. Start with the steepest stuff is what I'm trying to say. So that way, even if you screw it up, it's still hopefully going to work. So I just remember when our farm manager was going to run this plow the first time, and I told him, Mike, you let me do all the worrying. You just drive the tractor. It's going to be fine. Even if you screw it up here in this first field, how can it possibly go wrong? We got so much slope. We're putting the pipe in. It's going to be okay. But you're definitely going to learn a few things once you get a couple projects under your belt. And then after that, it'll get pretty easy. But all I can tell you is we've got tile in every single field we farm. And it has made our farm, number one, money. Number two, a lot more yield. And number three, it's helped our farm have a lot healthier soil. Having air in the soil is key to maintaining and growing soil life. So not just roots and plants, but beneficial soil microbes as well. You hear no-tillers and and people who want to farm organically and things like that talk about, oh, I just want to have healthy soil and get back to what Mother Nature does best. I want the exact same thing. I want to have that soil do most of the work for me and continue to develop and improve. It can't do that if it occasionally floods out. Because what that means is, don't think about excess water, think about lack of oxygen. And it's just like you or me, when we have lack of oxygen, we die. You're killing off soil microbes if you don't have good air levels in the soil. That's why tiling has made such a difference for us on our farm. All right, thanks for the question there. Uh, And good luck on your project. It sounds like uh, it'll be pretty interesting. Get this from Colton up in Alberta. He said, we've had extensive drought last year, like most of the the areas around us. Uh, We've got a feedlot, cattle feedlot, spreading a lot of manure, 1,700 acres of ground. Uh, We've got anywhere between 80 and 200 pounds of nitrate left in the soil and organic matter between 4 and 8%. This year, uh, we planted some silage corn, and we didn't fertilize any N before planting because of all that residual that's out there. I'm wondering, what would be the best timing and equipment, nozzles, drop nozzles, stream bar, whatnot, to put UAN on in crop? Uh, We're thinking V5 looks like a good time to go in, but we really want to mitigate damage and burn from the nitrogen application. Where is this at? Alberta, Canada. East Central Alberta. And here's the reason why I asked that question rainfall. So the issue that we run into on our farm, and we're going to have to do this pretty soon too, because, or I think anyway, we're going to start precidrous nitrate testing soon. Where I'm going with this is if you put nitrogen on the ground and you don't have rain 
relatively soon, like in a few days, you're going to start losing that liquid nitrogen. Now, you won't start losing it as fast as urea. Urea, or if at as high a rate, I should say, as urea. So with urea, the studies have shown in you basically have 48 hours. If you don't get rain in 48 hours, you're going to start losing urea. But anyway, with liquid nitrogen, you know, I would say you got a week. Yeah, but what I, what I'm trying to say here is, if you say, you know what, I don't know if we're going to have rain in a month. Well, in that case, I would inject the nitrogen. We've done it with coulters. We've done it with shanks. We've done it with a cultivator. We've done it with, I mean, many different machines over the years. But I'm just trying to say I would inject it, then it's safe. Okay, So then you don't have to have rain instantly or within that week that I'm talking about. All right, if you say, no, I think I'm good. I'll put it out there and I'm hoping for the best. I think I'm going to have rain here this week. Personally, I like Y drops. I like dragging hoses. I like doing something so I get it down at the ground level. I do not want to use stream bars. We've done that on our farm. So let me let me say too. Yeah, it, some, doesn't, it doesn't work well in corn. Sometimes our guys on our farm try things, and I'm fine with them trying things on their own without talking to me first. But they did this without talking to me first. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, why? I could have told you that was going to be a disaster, and it was. So do not stream bar your corn. You will be very unhappy. Get a hose down to the ground or use Y drops or something so it gets down there. Otherwise, inject it. Those are the two best ways to go. Yeah, it's it's always good to ask those questions, though, if you haven't tried it before. So glad you did. Let me throw one last thing out, too. You can do some precidrous nitrate testing just like we're going to do on our farm coming up soon. And we'll test all the way down to 24 inches, and we'll pull some soil cores in a few different areas in these fields that we're, we're going to put nitrogen on. Normally, we don't run a lot of precidrous nitrate tests. We're going to do more this year because we have so much at stake. So like on our farm, I'm hoping for if the crop price gets to where I want it to be and the yield gets to where I want it to be, $2,000 an acre of gross income. So I got a lot of risk on the one side. And on the other side, I have the highest nitrogen price we will ever have paid in the history of our farm. So in other words, I don't mind spending the money. But I want to make sure I need to spend the money, so I'm willing to run some extra $5 tests to find out. So that's what I'd encourage you to do as well. All right, thanks for the question. Got this one from Sherman. He said, you guys were talking about soil crusting and things you can do to prevent it. Uh, there's one thing you didn't talk about that's more of a cure instead of prevention. Uh, rotary hoeing. We found the faster you go, the shallower it goes in the soil, which is a good thing. Six to 12 miles an hour Ooh. is what we do trying to buzz through. Yeah, I don't like rotary hoeing. I just I feel there's a lot of risk there. So what ends up happening if, if your uh, soil is kind of in a chunk, then it pulls seed up. So there are a lot of people that used to do that. And our dad is like, oh, oh no, I've done that. And I've, I've ruined my stand. So we worry about that a lot. Very yes, touchy. yeah, you can do it, but just be really careful. Thanks for the feedback. We really appreciate that. Thanks for your support of our show, too. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.